So for example, if you want to take your cat into the vet, just want to make sure your little kitty is all good and all healthy. (laughs) They're going to ask you, Hey, we'd love to run some routine blood work. Mm -hmm. Are you okay with that? So we go ahead and we take that blood. That's fairly straightforward. We can hold that kitty. No problem. Now let's think about, I don't know, let's think about your dolphin, right? (laughs) We want to get a blood sample on a dolphin. It's not that simple. Hello, welcome to Statement Mondays, where we explore how different women harness their identities at work. I'm your host, Natalie Munster, and if you need a reason to be bold today, here it is. Today is Statement Monday. First off, I want to take a moment to welcome all the new listeners to Statement Mondays. So many of you have joined us this past week, so whether you found us through Apple Podcasts, new and noteworthy, or just word of mouth from a friend... I'm really, really excited to have you here listening. Definitely make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And then you can also follow our Instagram account at Statement Mondays to stay in the loop and, of course, to get in touch. So remember in last week's episode, I said it would be the last one in the season? Well, just kidding. I've lined up some more really great episodes, including today's. So jumping into this episode, I talk with Michelle Greenfield, who is an aquatics medicine student at Cornell and the creator and host of a top 50 life sciences podcast called Aquadocs. In this interview, we talk about the types of things to take advantage of as a student, her approach to learning even when it's not directly pursuing her end goal, and how to make a splash in an industry in a big way without being an expert. Even if you're not doing research or you're no longer a student, there's a lot to learn here about jumping at opportunities. Plus, you'll also learn how to draw blood from a dolphin. So pretty cool. Totally new for me, at least. And as usual, stick around after the interview to hear my top takeaways and one thing you can do to apply them in your own life. Hi, Michelle. Welcome to Statement Mondays. Hi, thank you so much for having me today. Of course. What would you say is your public identity? How do people perceive you? Yeah, I think a lot of people see me as a veterinary student. Uh, mostly it's because I'm either wearing scrubs or or white coat or I have bags under my eyes because I've been up late studying all night, you know, as veterinary students do. Um, but I also, I also think that a huge part of my current public identity, which has really emerged over the past year, has been through my podcast, Aquadox, which is um, the number one podcast all about aquatic medicine and a top 50 life sciences podcast. And what's really exciting about that is that as you know from hosting your podcast, right, is that you put audio together, you put this story together, and then it's out there for the whole world. And anyone who wants to listen to it can listen to it. And so, uh, you know, I have I have listeners from Thailand, from Australia, from Brazil, um, from other states in the, in the U.S. who are reaching out to me through our social media or through the podcast. And, and their perception of me is going to be very much based on who I demonstrate on the podcast each week as this person who's very excited about aquatic medicine and talking about the dolphins and the fish and the sea lions and and all of that (laughs) stuff and really putting that information out there for others to listen to as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that if I'm meeting somebody, for instance, we're in line at the grocery store or something like that, you know, pre-COVID times when you 
could be closer than six feet and could chat somebody up as I typically would. I don't even know if the podcast would would come up necessarily. I think people Mm -hmm. are really excited when they hear that I'm a veterinary student. They love to tell me about their pets. And so the conversation (sighs) might be, you know, hi, I do this. What do you do? Oh, I'm, I'm a veterinary student. Oh my goodness. My little kitty Snickers. She had this weird abscess last week and I just didn't know what to do. And so I brought her to the vet and the vet like took care of her and it was just the most amazing thing. And, you know, I'm standing there like, thank you so much for telling me about your little kitty Snickers. <laughs> like, uh, great. <laughs> so pleasure meeting you. you know, enjoy your groceries. Have a nice day. Uh, yeah. So like that, that happens a lot. I would say that more in the academic setting, that conversation mm. might be, oh, cool. What type of student? You know, what are you most interested in? And then the conversation goes, well, I'm really interested in aquatics. And if they're familiar with aquatics, that can then go down the path of, oh, so do you like working with fish? Do you like working with turtles? Are you interested in aquariums? Because aquatic medicine is, is a huge field. You know, somebody who is practicing private practice fish medicine does a very different thing every day than somebody who is, for example, working in aquaculture or working at a marine mammal facility. Very different species, very different day to day. Other times people just say, oh, aquatics, that's that's cool. That's different. And then <laughs> the conversation might end there. That's cool. <laughs> um, but, but other times people are like, oh, so like, what do you do? What do you do as a veterinary student? And then my identity shifts because I work in an equine regenerative medicine laboratory, and they'll want to hear more about that research side, which is more focused in horses, which has nothing to do with the aquatic species. So I think it really just depends on who I'm talking to. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. And can we rewind a sec? So you said you are in equine regenerative medicine? Yeah. So that's not aquatic related whatsoever. It's not at all, actually. Yeah. So I work in Dr. Lisa Fortier's equine orthopedic laboratory. I got involved in the lab because I was presented with an opportunity through an internship I was doing where there was a veterinarian who wanted to actually do a project on dolphins and knew Mm -hmm. I was going to Cornell and said, hey, there's a veterinarian I know there that I'd like to do a collaboration with. Would you be interested in joining? And as a young, eager vet student, if, if somebody's handing you a opportunity like that on a gold platter, you don't say no. You definitely (laughs) take that. And I said, yes, absolutely. I would love to. And so now I've actually been in the lab for two years. And it's Mm -hmm. great because it's very much outside my comfort zone. I don't have much experience with horses. Currently, we're starting up some studies with some pigs and some sheep. I haven't worked Mm -hmm. with them either. But it's it's a really great opportunity because I'm getting to learn new techniques that Mm -hmm. I never would have learned otherwise. And now I'm learning how to feel more comfortable around horses, how to do routine things like blood draws, catheter placements, um, but also getting to do some great things like assisting in surgery. So Dr. Fortier had a study recently where we had to bring a number of horses in for arthroscopic examinations, which essentially means you're putting a little camera inside their stifle, which is like Mm -hmm. our knee. And so getting to assist in that process, helping with induction, how do you put a horse under anesthesia? How do you monitor a horse during a surgery? How do you help a horse recover afterwards? These are all things that are so important to that process and that as being part of that lab, I'm getting to participate with. Wow. So then clearly you're not in an aquatics-based medicine role right now. 
but that's where your background is and that's also where your podcast is focused around. Is there any like internal struggle there about, oh, am I, you know, still super aquatic focused? I mean, are, are you happy to shift out into a new branch? I think anyone you speak to who's known me since I was little would immediately answer this question with, oh, she's not changing. No matter what happens, she's not changing. <laughs> I think from an early age, I've always been really interested in aquatic animals. And mm-hmm. growing up, I'd go to the beach and I'd see the wild dolphins out and I would just absolutely love it. And um, I always dreamed when I was younger to be a dolphin trainer and mm. had the opportunity to do an internship with the U.S. Navy's Marine Mammal Program, which is partnered oh, with wow. the National Marine Mammal Foundation. And that was an incredible opportunity. And I got to train dolphins and I got to live that dream. And it was amazing. But I decided I also really love medicine. And so that was kind of how I decided let's do aquatic veterinary medicine where I get to continue that that dream and that interest in the aquatic animals. But I get to learn about the medicine too and honestly mm-hmm. have a better understanding for it because I understand the basic principles of training. So with all of these new opportunities in vet school, I think one of my main goals has been I'm a student for four years. And then once I graduate, I am no longer a student. And there's this magical time when you're a veterinary student where there are all these opportunities available to you. People will let you do anything and everything because you're a student and they really want to help you. And so I want to do everything I possibly can while I'm a student. And if that means somebody calls me and says, hey, do you want to get up at 5 a.m. tomorrow to do palpations in the cow with me? You bet I do. If I'm called and said, hey, might not happen, but we might be doing some work with some pigs next week. We might need an extra hand. Do you want to do it? Heck yeah, I do. You don't, you don't say no to that. And so while my experiences in vet school might be all over the place, this week I'm working in a small animal clinic and you know the vets yesterday said, hey, have you done a dental before? And I said, no. She's like, great, you're going to do it. And I said, yes, I'm going to do it. I'm excited. And, and you just really take those opportunities and it's super exciting. And, and I'm learning those basic skills. And do I still care about the aquatics? Is my heart still, you know, with the dolphins and the whales mm. and the fish? Yeah, it is. Nothing's, nothing's really changing that. But <laughs> Is the basic medicine that I'm learning from all of these other species applicable to those animals? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's so important to appreciate that and get that strong foundation because you know, medicine is medicine. Sure, there's species-specific differences that mm-hmm. you'll learn, but at the end of the day, if an animal has a broken bone, it's a broken bone and there's a specific ways to fix that. So sort of answers your question. <laughs> yeah, no, that totally does. I mean, it sounds like you know what you like and you know there's always space for that, but you're a yes person. You'll take any open door that exists and it also helps that you have the confidence that that'll come back to serve you in another way in the future. Um, Do you ever wonder if you're straying too far from aquatics? I don't know how, um, how important it is to specialize early in something like veterinary school or veterinary work. Sure. It's a good question. And I think it's a question that I personally have and a lot of students who are younger than I am also have. Mm -hmm. And as many guests have demonstrated on Aquadox, there is no one right path to pursuing a career in aquatic medicine. And for some people, 
they decided later on in their careers that aquatics was where they wanted to be. And then they they found those opportunities for others. They knew early mm-hmm. on and any any opportunity they could get, they took. Mm-hmm. But another kind of what we were just talking about before, like another really important part is understanding the basics first. And so no mm-hmm. one will fault you for saying, I really want to get a stronger foundation in small animal medicine. And so I'm going to spend my summer doing that. So that way, when I hit clinics, I'm proficient in these basic skills that yeah. are going to be applicable. And so sure, like it is definitely encouraged to find those other opportunities in aquatics because mm-hmm. it is a small community. There are very few jobs. And so you really do have to take initiative and demonstrate mm-hmm. that this is something that you want to pursue and so I did yeah. a lot of internships during college and I've done a lot of research projects since then that have been specifically focused on aquatics. I started Aquadocs. So my foot is still very much in the door and mm-hmm. day to day, I still care about aquatics. But at the end of the day, my place right now is as a veterinary student and there's a core curriculum that I'm responsible for. Mm-hmm. And so I really try to focus on that. And then any way I can on the side is where I'm I'm supplementing that and and doing the fun things. This is a huge field about connections. So really making the connections, having those phone conversations, interviewing guests, it really, it all comes together. Okay, so I got a chance to talk to Zach, who is your boyfriend and co-producer of Aquadocs. And so this goes back to something that you touched on briefly, which was he said that a unique angle that you take in your role and in your studies is your emphasis on training and that that is the background that you came from and that you kind of use that as like a a secret weapon. Could you explain that? Yeah. Animal training is a huge component of veterinary medicine that I feel is oftentimes neglected. And I think it's super important and it's just personally fascinating as well because anything that you might want to do with an animal especially with some of the more uh, large animal, high-profile zoological animals, there's so much training involved to get to that final veterinary stage of procedure or routine examination. So for example, Mm -hmm. do you have any dogs or cats? Yes, I have a cat. You have a cat, perfect. So for example, if you want to take your cat into the vet, just want to make sure your little kitty is all good and all healthy, (laughs) they're going to ask you, hey, we'd love to run some routine blood work. Mm -hmm. Are you okay with that? And you as a wonderful compliant owner would probably Mm -hmm. say, yes, feel free to go ahead with the blood work, blood panel, totally fine. So we go ahead and we take that blood. Now with a small cat, right? That's fairly straightforward. We can hold that kitty. We can get the blood. We run it. No problem. Now let's think about, I don't know, let's think about your dolphin, right? (laughs) We want to get a blood sample on a dolphin. It's not that simple, right? You can't really restrain them like you might a cat because uh, they're in water. But actually, it's pretty simple with some training. So the Mm -hmm. basics of that is essentially, if if you think of a dolphin in your mind, the ideal presentation for a blood draw, um, so we take blood from their tail flukes. So what you would would ask then is you'd ask the dolphin to, to turn over so that way it's lying with its dorsal fin, the thing that comes up out of its back, so to speak, Mm -hmm. um, is down in the water. And you're asking them to present their flukes up on the dock for you. And then essentially what you would do there is there's a beautiful, beautiful vein 
in the flukes that it's very simple. You would just, you put a little bit of scrub on there and then you put your needle in, you stick, you get your blood and it comes out. So they do all the work for you. Exactly. Fairly straightforward, but, but each of those tiny steps along the way that we just talked about involves training. So you have Mm -hmm. to train that animal to feel comfortable turning over. Great. Mm -hmm. Now you have to train them to, well, please present your flukes. Well, what if they don't want to? What if they don't know how to? You have to figure out a way to encourage them through positive reinforcement to do that. And you're going to be poking them with the sharp pointy thing. They, they might not love it. So, mm-hmm. so you have to practice for that too. You have to practice. We practice typically by doing the whole process and then you just pinch them and it simulates okay. the needle, but you're not actually mm-hmm. poking them every time. And that yeah. process is, is pretty routine. I mean, facilities all over the world are able to train their animals to do this. It's so key to have a great relationship between that trainer, between the animal and between the veterinarian because yeah. At the end of the day, it's the animal's choice whether or not they want to participate in in that examination. I mean, it seems obvious when you describe it this way. And it's, and just, it's just one example. You know, it's fairly routine, but it's not something that, it, unless you're in the field, it's not something you think about on a day-to-day yeah. basis, even if I do. <laughs> yeah. And so, so I'm a very spatial thinker, and I have an image of you right now in my head. End goal is specialist in aquatics and I know there's many other specializations in there but then I I have this like visualization of you attacking it from all angles and so you have you know training is an angle that you take on it and all of these other this lab work and learning all the fundamentals with other animals that aren't related to aquatics using every single peripheral piece of expertise you can possibly find and then applying that to what you finally want to do instead of attacking aquatics head on. And I really like that take. Well, well, thank you. And yeah, I, I get excited easily about a lot of things. And like you said before, I, I have a hard time saying no, which sometimes, you know, can be a problem, but most times it means I get to do some crazy cool things that I never would have expected. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you really just, I think at my point in my career, it's, if there's an opportunity, I'm going to take it and we'll we'll see where it goes. And sure, I have goals about this is where I'd like to be in 10 years, 15 years. Mm-hmm. really helps when I'm being interviewed for you know a job or an internship. But they ask, where do you see yourself in 10 years? But at the same time, I feel like every, every interview I do with somebody on Aquadox, I leave and I am just so excited about what they had to mm-hmm. say. And even this morning, I was talking with some folks who study salmon in the Pacific Northwest. And I don't have a lot of experience with, with salmonid medicine, but it, the way they described it, it is so cool. And I would love the opportunity to go spend two weeks with them learning. And I had another interview earlier this week about the Hawaiian monk seals. And oh my goodness, Whoa. that program is so cool. It, it's amazing. Like there's so many cool things. And so sure, I can say this is where I'm going to go right now. But I just talk with other people and realize, wow, there's so many things out there. Like I love science communication and this podcast has really demonstrated that to me. And so maybe I end up doing more on the writing side or the administrative side. In addition, yeah. in addition to the clinical work, there's just, I think as you get in, into the field, whatever field it is for me, you know, it's obviously medicine, but for anyone listening, it could be honestly anything. The more that you get involved and the more that you talk to people, you realize, wow, I thought there was one straight path, but now that I'm kind of 
here I'm realizing that there's multiple forks in the road mm-hmm. and they're all equally exciting. And maybe you try one and then it doesn't work and you're like, okay, I'll go try this instead. So yeah, I am I going to go head on? I don't even know what head on is, yeah. but I know that there's lots of ways to get to something exciting, even if mm-hmm. I don't know what that exciting thing is quite yet. Let's take a little break here. So I don't know about you, but I found it pretty funny in the beginning when Michelle described aquatic medicine as a huge field, because as a total outsider to that career area, it seems incredibly niche. I have zero clue about all the different specialties. Anyway, what we just heard from Michelle is how she's a yes person and how she'll take any opportunity to learn. She understands that there's something to learn from everything you do. And especially in research and lab work, when you're handed an opportunity on a golden platter, you take it. Learning how to place a catheter in a horse still gives her practice that will make her an overall better veterinarian, even to the fish. And Michelle said something else super well, that no one will fault you for wanting to learn more. So asking questions and putting yourself in the position of learning is never a bad thing. You'll usually be able to tie back almost anything to your ultimate goal especially if you have an open mind about it. Up next, Michelle talks about how she uses her podcast to have a voice and even be a trailblazer in the aquatic medicine community, even though she's not a specialist herself. We also get to hear how her boyfriend describes her go-getter mentality, which was, let's just say, unexpected by both Michelle and me. Cool. Let's dive back in. You and I were talking earlier about the podcast, about Aquadocs, and that, you know, while you're still a student, the podcast is a way that you can still contribute to overall public knowledge of aquatic medicine in a really big way. Can you talk a little bit more on why, like, what that means to you? Yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up because I think it's a huge part of why I do the podcast, why Aquadox is such a huge part of my identity. And it really comes down to putting resources out there for other students like myself and even non-students too, anyone who's interested in the topic. Mm-hmm. And I think that what's really exciting about this is that even though I am still a student, I'm still able to make a positive contribution to the veterinary community at large and aquatic medicine. I think it's just important to be able to show the larger veterinary community like, hey, we exist. There is this subgroup Mm -hmm. of people who are super passionate about these aquatic species because it's still a relatively new field, like cat and dog, small animal medicine, large animal medicine. That's been around for a while. We're, We're still relatively new to the game. And so we still have to establish ourselves. And so I think a, a podcast like Aquadocs where we're talking about pretty detailed medical things. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, we're not talking about pun intended surface level things. Like it's just a great way to learn about these topics in a non-traditional medium. And I think mm-hmm. that's something that I personally have been really working towards and will hopefully be presenting on at a couple of conferences this year is oh, very cool. how can we translate science and some of these really difficult scientific principles in non-traditional mediums. Because a lot of the things we do are in scientific manuscripts, which are great. Don't get me wrong. I publish. (laughs) It's very exciting when you have a manuscript accepted in a journal. But the way it's written is not necessarily 
the best way to actually comprehend the material. And so sometimes we need podcasts or children's books or other things like that, where we take the same topic, but we break it down and we tell more stories about it and it's more conversational. And so I, I do like, I'm not discrediting journals. They are very important and they have a huge role in the scientific community. But I think that for younger students, it's much more difficult to get excited about some of these Mm. topics or to learn because they haven't been taught how to find these articles, how to even read an article. But yeah, I, I really think that the role that Aquadox plays is putting information out there for anyone who wants it to just start asking more questions. Mm -hmm. And what's really exciting is that we've also now established the social media community where we have people who are interested in aquatics being able to ask questions of each other. And I'm just going to be talking about Aquadocs in my experiences and, you know, helping other students get those connections, get those externships that are so critical Mm -hmm. for their futures. So Mm -hmm. I think it's become a really great resource and I'm excited to see where it continues. And, uh, you know, I just, I love being a part of it. That's amazing to hear. Uh, I got a chance to listen to one of your episodes, though. Do fish feel pain? I think it was that's one of the, your most recent ones. Yeah, that was our our recent episode from this past week, and it, it's exciting because a like you as a listener, I'm sure you were like, "What fish feel pain? I have no idea. I want to hear this." Um, <laughs> but then from my side as well, I've now been able to connect with people, and more students now have learned from him. So. Yeah. um, We've also done some episodes kind of geared more towards students. I recently interviewed the current resident at the University of Florida, their zoological resident, and um, she really highlighted that here was my path that I took to get to this residency program. And, you know, here are the things that work that didn't work. It might not work for you, but Mm -hmm. it was really helpful, I think, for student listeners to just even hear of, oh, I need to do research. If I want to go to residency, I need to have published. Well, if you're in college, that's super great to be able to hear that now so you can get on that. You know, it's not your last year of vet school and it's like, oh no, I had to do all these things. But there's something I think to be learned from every episode. And I truly believe that the stuff that we're communicating and it goes back to that, that principle of science communication, the more that we understand and the more that we all know collectively, the better we can take care of these animals. And honestly, the better we can take care of the environment and our future selves. Yeah. So, Michelle, tell me about a moment that you felt invincible at work. What empowered you? Why was it memorable? Yeah. I think, I don't know. I'm sure there's lots more that I could I could think about. But I think what comes to mind first was actually something that happened yesterday, where I've been working at the small animal clinic this week. And it's an incredibly kind team of people who Mm. have just been so wonderful to me and offering me lots of teaching opportunities. And yesterday, I successfully placed my first catheter in a dog, which is not that big of a deal. um, Honestly, it's like a fairly (laughs) common thing that you learn in vet school and becomes almost second nature when you're in practice. And I think it just was really this moment of, I can do it. Um, Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, I need to be a proficient clinician Mm -hmm. with the basic species first. And so just being able to do something like that and realizing that, hey, I've come a long way so far. I can read a blood panel and I can I can see those liver values or those kidney values and say, ooh, I'm a little concerned about this patient. I'd like to have further conversation about this. And I think that just reassures me that 
I'm going to be that competent, skillful clinician, and I'm not fully there yet, but I'm, I'm getting my small milestones along the way. And it's really encouraging to say, okay, there are some big goals. I can't do that yet, but I can do these things now mm-hmm. and look where I'm going to be two years from now, because look where I am now compared to where I was two years ago. And, and so whether it was invincible, maybe, maybe not, but just that, that reassurance and the friendly atmosphere around saying, yeah, Michelle, you got this. We're so proud of you. And these people barely even know me right now is just, it's it's a great feeling. And do you have a life motto? Yes and no. I think it depends on the context. And I think Mm -hmm. for me, it depends on the time. So uh, I had the privilege of working and being a cast member at Walt Disney World a couple years ago. And yes, that was the most magical experience of my life. And I could talk (laughs) for hours about it. And a huge shout out to all my Disney friends. I love you all. And it was amazing. Um, But while I was there, I think my motto was always Hakuna Matata. Just, you know, it needs no worries. Shake it off. It's fine. Also, because I was at Disney, of course, it had to be Disney themed. That's amazing. Uh, That's so amazing. (laughs) Yeah, I think think now, do I still still care about that? For sure. You know, no worries. Got to shake it off. But... I think this past year in particular, given COVID and everything has really not shifted my mindset, but potentially brought some other ideas to light that that might normally have been more suppressed. And I really think right now, kind of what we touched upon before, it's that one of one of the things I keep in mind is to be open to anything and everything mm-hmm. and be willing to take some risks and not being afraid to say yes and just go for it. And mm-hmm. I think that that mentality has really helped me pull together some things this past year when a lot of my colleagues had their summer internships canceled, had jobs canceled. um, And and what do you do? And instead of that, I reached out to some connections I had and said, hey, can I come work for you? I literally have nothing right now. Everything just got canceled. Mm -hmm. And I was fortunate that that was able to work out. Um, Last fall, they told us that our entire curriculum was going to be online devastating like as a student when I'm supposed to be hands-on and how do I do school when I'm not even there and and I took the risk and I said all right I'm not even going to go back to school like I'm going to do online school but I'm not even going to go to New York I'm going to move to Florida for part-time I'm going to go live (laughs) with my family I'm I'm getting to work at clinics and just getting so much experience but just saying I'm going to go for it not necessarily a motto or a mantra but it's Mm -hmm. it's kind of a mindset that that I've tried to shape Yeah. And when I was talking with Zach earlier, he mentioned that some things that he really admired about you was your drive and um, your optimism, but also that you try things over and over and over again that a lot of people maybe would give up on. Another way he described it is um, single-minded bullheadedness, which I love. (laughs) We're writing that one down. Single-minded bullheadedness. Yeah, he was like, yeah, she, I mean, she has incredible passion and grit, especially with things that you're excited about. Um, But you also tend to miss obvious things in politics or news stories and just like sometimes forget about the world around you because you're so, so (laughs) driven and so excited about what you're doing. Yes. Uh, that would be, that would be, that's really funny. Um, we're gonna have a long conversation about that later. No, 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 it's not great. That's so funny. Yeah, no, he's absolutely right though. I, pop culture, I don't, I don't know a thing. We're watching movies all the time and like, I'll be like, who's that? And he's like, literally, you don't know who that is. Like, 
No, I have no idea. I'm also partially <laughs> blind, so I like can't sometimes recognize people, especially if they all like have the same haircut and mm-hmm. are wearing roughly the same clothing. And so, yeah, I, I think sometimes I'm like, well, I've got better things to think about. <laughs> than <just do. laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> That's really funny. I I love that. I kind of want to put that on a t-shirt or like a mug now. That's so incredible. Oh, do it. <laughs> um. So my final question for you, Michelle, is a Statement Mondays classic question. And as you know, the podcast is titled Statement Mondays, interviews with women who wear heels, in quotes, uh, to work. And the idea is that heels is a metaphor for a strength of yours or a trait or a tool, physical, not physical, anything that really gives you confidence that you know you can always rely on. So what are your heels? I've thought long and hard about this question. And the thing that keeps popping back to mind is, you know, what what supports me? What are my heels? Because initially, let's be real, when you asked this question, I had to think about it. And I was like, my heels at work, I don't wear heels. Like I wear flats. I would trip and fall and like they don't work well with the animals or like a watery slippery environment (laughs) um but then I I thought more about it and like what what supports me what keeps me up and that's really that's really my support network and that might sound cliche but like it is truly Zach my parents my brother my friends and you you know you would look at my CV and say holy bananas you've done such cool things. This is so cool. And like, it's amazing. And I love it. And I mean, clearly you can tell that I'm very excited about a lot of things. Um, But at the end of the day, I couldn't have done any of that without them. And I rely on them so much. I mean, Aquadox would not get produced every week unless I had, you know, my incredible teammate here who does all the editing. He helps me with all of the behind the scenes stuff like that is such a huge part of everything I do. And I mean, the school's hard for those of you listening who, you know, you might be in, in high school, college, professional school, like whatever it is, their school's hard. Some days are great. Some days are, are really difficult. And, you know, if you don't have a core group of people you can go to and ask for advice or just reach out and cry and say, I had a bad day. I don't know what to do. And I just needed a hug. Like, for me, that is, is just, it's so important and I think so undervalued and really, truly, I don't get enough times to, to just thank the people in life that I care most about. Um, but they're really, they're really the heels that, that keep me up. That's a great answer. And I hope that they can listen to this and uh, know how much you value them. My mom will listen. My vet friends They know I love them, but they don't have time to listen. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for talking with me today, Michelle. Natalie, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. That was Michelle Greenfield. In this debrief, I want to go over two things making the most of the position you're in, and the idea of learning how to learn. There are so many opportunities available to you as a student, 
and you can get away with a lot. And not just students, too. In every stage of your life, your situation will offer different kinds of opportunities. One example that comes to mind is one of my friends was doing a project for her major uh, in college, and she partnered with the Marine Corps on improving aircraft readiness and maintenance. And I just remember her coming back to our dorm and telling us all about how she talked her way onto a tarmac where the airplanes take off. And I think she convinced an employee there to let her shadow them and ask questions as research. If I tried to convince someone to let me do something like that now, pretty sure that would fail without the excuse of being a student. And one other thing I wanted to bring up is something that, in my opinion, is extremely overlooked. Michelle mentioned her podcast was a novel way to reach new audiences with scientific concepts. And it's particularly effective since when you're a student or just getting into a new scientific field, you haven't been taught how to read academic journals. And you need to learn how to read them before even being able to learn the knowledge that you're supposed to be learning. You're basically learning how to learn. So I think this is a massive, massive point that no one tells you. When I started my first job as a software engineer, it was non-trivial to learn how to learn. It took me my whole first year, at least, to figure out, hmm, how do I read other people's code? How do I know and how do I learn where to add my own changes? I mean, an even bigger question is just, how do I take a problem I'm having and break it down into, you know, clear questions that I can ask a coworker or even just type into Google? Like, how can I distill that and clarify it into just a few key terms? It's not easy. And actually, my manager at the time told me a really key piece of advice that I'll never forget. He said the difference between junior engineers and senior engineers is that senior engineers know how to ask the right questions. Sounds simple, but pretty deep when you think about it. So I guess what I'm trying to say here is being good at learning how to learn will set you up for success. I just think it's cool that Michelle is addressing that with her podcast. So now for something that you could apply to your day-to-day. I was just thinking about her moment of invincibility, and it reminded me of something that I've done for the past two years. I've kept my own journal of small, big, really any moments of invincibility, so I can go back and read them when I need encouragement or when I'm old. (laughs) And I love that the one moment Michelle described as when she was invincible was super small in the grand scheme of things, but still meaningful and happened yesterday. Try it if you want. I think it's a pretty cool thing to document. Well, that's all I have for today. And as you may know, this is just the start of this podcast and also hopefully the start of a movement. So the way you can make a difference is by sharing Statement Mondays with two of your friends. So remember, be bold. Today is Statement Monday. I'm Natalie Munster, my intern is Mallory Pilon, and my audio engineer is Martin Munster. You can learn more about me and Statement Mondays at statementmondays.com or follow us on Instagram at statementmondays. I'll see you next Monday. Bye!